0: Are we not the best of some friends already? Only in media.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast supporting the undefeated Dallas Stars. It's time to do a little stargazing. Mark, this squad is clearly
0: a juggernaut destined for great things. Am I wrong? Uh, yes. Yes. They they got completely outplayed by Detroit and uh, they had a goalie stand on it, on his head and apparently they have some snipers though. I mean, the, I, all I, all I it love is it. Four to
1: two win, Mark. Four to two was scoreboard. All right, scoreboard.
0: I'm not. I'm not <laughs> these fancy stats. What, the, what did you think about the What did about the the artificial ads that they had rolling around the ring? Did that interfere with your viewing experience?
1: You know, people have been complaining about these things for like a year and a half, and I got to be honest, I've never noticed. I'm I'm lucky enough. I cannot recall ever the the thing that people seem to complain about is oh, I can't see the player. I, I've I've never had one of those that I can remember had one of those like clipping experiences where a guy's going behind the net. And then all of a sudden he like disappears behind a, you know, Papa John's ad or whatever. I don't know if that's the official sponsor of the NHL. I probably should, but they're I not don't, I don't particularly care. Bio-Steel,
0: Biosteel is, isn't it? And they just declared, declared bankruptcy. Oh man. That's a good,
1: it's good. Good start to the season. You've got your, your Bally networks, tearing and your, your bio bands. Just things are good, man. That cap is going to just skyrocket. At <laughs>
0: Well, but, uh, know, and the th- the thing that people don't realize is that once you figure out hockey, you don't really watch for the puck anyway. You kind of know where the puck is based on looking at the players. Yeah, and and there without slow motion, I, I think somebody said there there nobody's ever seen the puck go into the net. I mean, you you typically just see like the goalie react with either yeah.
1: shame or triumph, right? Yeah. And and, so,
0: and 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 maybe look for some some red lights and and a hand up from the official and yeah then 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 you get the then you get the replay that shows you how it bounced off of three different guys and 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 somehow found a five hole where where you didn't think there was a five hole and you have a goal you don't need to watch them. I, and, and what, so
1: i mean listen I, I i just they don't bother me they just don't i don't notice them um maybe if i noticed them more they would bother me you know but i, I just don't i i'm also no, I, i'm I, also I, the guy mark that thinks that that the uh the fox track puck was a really good idea and would make the sport a lot more accessible it was just like 20 years technologically too early for it to be functional but i i think that i am much more i've learned that i'm much more open to gimmicks than a lot of other people because i just why not right poke around see if it works move on to the next thing. I, I, I don't tend to hate failure as
0: much. You you don't learn if you don't try,
1: right? Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the, the nice thing here is that we saw actual Dallas Stars jerseys on hockey players who were on ice scoring goals yesterday. And more I mean, goals than the kind of other off. team, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. W. Get w. That and I, I I hate to take the loss here personally, but you know, David Castillo and I had had this kind of ongoing little thing behind the scenes where he he said we we have this great team that's showing up, and I said we we have a handful of of, of high end prospects and then a bunch of who knows what guys guys who haven't seen the ice at a professional level ever, and I'm eating crow right now. We're we're one and zero and we're going into Toronto and Toronto didn't bring a whole lot and. So, we could be 2-0 and playing Columbus on Sunday with a chance to go undefeated who would have thought oh, it? man
1: that, that we <laughs> dare to dream mark dare to dream but you, you are we we tease a little bit when we talked a lot last week about how this the 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 win is i mean it doesn't it doesn't not matter because nothing ever doesn't matter right? Like there is stuff to learn. The fact that a goal is still on its head, the fact that the team was able to counter punch their way to a win. Like these are not, these are not bad things, right? They're lo- valuable learning experiences. It's a sign of, you know, it's a positive sign for the team that they can perhaps get caved in a little bit, but be, you know, um, professional with their finishing and still, still get the win. So like, it's, it's good. There's, there's good that happens, but we also, to your your fire back at the start of the podcast, we don't want to, we also don't want to look at the, just look at the scoreline and blind ourselves to everything else that's going on. So this, to your point, the rosters, are, and based on Traverse City's past, right, there are some names on this roster, right? Sankovan, um, Maverick Bork, Leon Bichel, like there are some guys here we'll start with first impressions, right? It can be players. It can be the whole teams,
0: but walk me through how you feel about um, the game in general. I mean, in general, it was, it was really a contrast of styles and Detroit brought a pretty veteran prospect group, if you will. And they got the puck in the zone and they cycled and they put a lot of pressure on the stars defense, which really doesn't have a whole lot of experience at the professional level, but Boy, if they made a mistake there, and, and the stars got the puck. The stars were moving up ice, they were moving up in tandem, they were passing the puck, and they had several guys who just made some real great finishes off the rush. And and so it, it's kind of like you know, the stars got caved, but they were dangerous on that counterattack. And and that's I think the best that you can hope out of this group of players. But that's kind of the style that we're developing as a, as an organization, and so if we can get get guys who can move the puck and and then guys who can finish while we're moving the puck, uh, they'll fit in, and and it's fun hockey to watch. Yeah, and I
1: mean, I think it also it, it to your point, it speaks to the roster. Right? Looking at looking at some of the names that got invited, I I think the larger point about the style of play is interesting to me because we've spent a lot of time kind of harping on on you know some of the the defenders at the stars level right some of the guys that that highlighting the weakness of some of the guys that can't move the puck and it's it's interesting to see the prospect which in theory is playing like the the version that the team would like to eventually see grow into the big spot big squad right it's interesting to them playing that uh, something that kind of relies on those breakouts and relies on more um more aggression
0: yeah, and, and I mean, on the defensive end, there's certainly interesting stuff to watch. I mean, it, it, number one, obviously, you're you're watching how Leon, Bixel is uh, is acclimating to the North American game. Uh, he's big, he's physical. Uh, there was a point in the game where he, he kind of goaded a, a Red Wings player into taking a penalty. Uh, you no, it's Traverse City it's Michigan it's a, this is the one game that you can depend uh that you play in Traverse City where the the rink is packed and they're all wearing red and they're very uh they're very supportive of Detroit and they were riding Bixell. Uh, you know every time he touched the puck he was getting booze. and I think he kind of thrives on that so i mean it, looking at how he profiles
1: to you know at the NHL level his his size the type of defenseman he's going to be you know, you don't want to read tea leaves after one game, but that's that was encouraging to me as well because that's you know, that's kind of the guy he's gonna be is the player on the stars that everybody else hates because he just kicks your teeth in every night, right? Versus one of those silky puck rush types. So I, I think it's it's an interesting, hopefully, um sneak peek into the future to watch him be nasty, right? And get the reaction that he got.
0: Yeah. And and that's kind of the game that you'd expect what i didn't expect out of bixel was uh he likes having the puck on his stick yeah and he can skate real well he he showed some great skate work on on some retrievals where he just left a, a four checker in the dust and he headed back up ice um and it was kind of a uh, it, it it wasn't really good for christian kairu who was who was his partner because that's kind of what the role that Kairou wanted. And Kairu ended up watching a lot of Bixel as opposed to doing what he does well. And, and what and what some, would you say Kairou's real fo- uh, real skill set is? Uh, moving the puck, yeah. and especially moving it in the offensive end. Hmm. and And Bixel was such a focus of that pair that uh, I'm kind of hoping they break him up here in the in the second game. and, allow bixel to kind of be the dominant guy and and that'll free up kairu to play with somebody where he can take on that puck moving and offensive defender role we we need to see that out of him yeah and let, let me ask you this mark and i, I know
1: that you've got a, a you know it's one game which is all the the data that you need right um with your your yeah. practiced eye but what you're talking about with Bichelle, I think, would certainly fall very much into the found money category with the Dallas Stars if he could demonstrate. You know, he again, he is being looked at—not in a bad. This isn't a negative, right? But he's being looked at in a very particular way as an NHL player. What of the things that you observed offensively? Do you think, again, based on a comprehensive single prospect tournament game on crappy ice, right? What of those things do you think might translate to the NHL level?
0: I mean, I, I think just having that size and being comfortable using the size is, is what I would expect. And everything else is just pure bonus. He was quarterbacking the second power play unit. I mean, I, I think the stars have some high hopes for him. And, and I think the biggest challenge at this point is that there, there, were, there were some points where he was, uh, he was trying to skate the puck up. And uh, and he let guys get a little closer than maybe he thought they should be able to to get at the puck. And, and so he got jacked a couple times.
1: Yeah. And so he has some
0: things to learn about the small ice and and how much space he actually has on that ice. And you now we'll we'll see game game two. I think uh, we'll see if he took some lessons to heart. But the, the interesting thing, I think, about Bixel is that he he probably is slotted in as a as a right d just based on the way the teams configured. that's that's where he's going to get his ice time and you know if we're talking about the texas stars instead of the dallas stars this coming year it would be so much fun to watch bixel paired with uh, with jared rosberg who who also is the kind of guy who can get under the other team's skin and get fans booing at him? And wouldn't that be a fun pairing to watch in see park? I dare to dream, man. How and
1: what should let's let's give it a one to ten and then talk about some of the other guys because I think there's a lot a lot going on. A scale of one to ten, right? Where would uh, you know one being let's call it uh, one being the um, you know Fabian Brunstrom. And ten being, you know, Eddie Belfour beats Patrick Wall back to back. Where
0: is your excitement level on Vishal right now? I'd say it's a nine. I mean, this was this was a first game, and he came out and he was hadn't played not since timid. May. Right? By the way, yeah, since breaking his ankle. So this is in a, literally his
1: first game um, in quite some time.
0: Yeah, I mean, he 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 was ready to go. He took the initiative. He played a physical game. He moved the puck. uh, He he skated well. There's a lot of upside there, and and so I'm starting at a at a baseline that says, okay, let's see what this guy has. And I'm saying, yeah, maybe the hype is right. Be that would
1: be, and and again, I'm gonna ask. I I'm gonna go back ask you one more question and this this is stupid prognostication and i, I promise this isn't going to turn into a jamie ben scores fewer goals than the defense rub it in your face the entire season I'm, I'm real i know that i'm asking a dumb question where would you put the odds that we see Michelle in the
0: nhl this season uh about one percent yeah i mean the, just just the way the team's set up they've uh, they brought in guys who i think uh they figure can contribute at the NHL level and are playing in the in the A. And so, yeah, Bayreuther is going to get his shot first. Rosberg probably gets a shot first. You know, if they lose the right kind of big guy, Petrovic probably gets a shot. I, it, but it depends on development. So, uh, you know, he he's got a lot to learn, and I think he's showing that uh, that he has a skill set to be pretty dominant.
1: I love it. Um, looking at some of the other names, staying on the defense, anything, anything to say on on the likes of Grishnikov, Kairou? anybody else stand out on the black on the blue line?
0: Um, in a, in a positive way, probably not. I, yeah. I mean, I was actually surprised a little bit by by Jacob Murray, but uh, you know that that's like a, you know a, a zero on the impact scale right there. Um, he made a nice play to feed... To feed uh, Semenov for the second goal. Um, you know, other than that, these these guys are out there fighting for just a shot to play on, on the third pair in in Cedar Park. So, other than Kairu and Bixel, the only other guy out there is Grushnikov. And Grush- Grushnikov looked yeah, okay, but he didn't really stand out for anything. Um, he, he's got some work to do. And we'll see how that progresses uh, once we get to the AHL season.
1: Love it. Uh, and we're going to progress to the forwards here in a minute, Mark. We are going to take a step away very quickly for a little bit of advertisements. we gotta, we got to pay those bills, but we'll be right back. All right. So I, I think my view of the defense is generally yours, right? The the marquee guy is Bichelle, and, and that's, that's who we're all watching, and that's who we should all be watching. I think that's where gets made. I think it's a little bit more complicated when we move to the forward group because there are quite a few names, actually. The, the obvious ones we've been talking about the entire time, you know, Bork and Stankoven are both vying to be this year's, you know, Wyatt Johnston. But as well, you know, guys like Blumell, Oscar Bach, um, Antonio Strangis is always always a delight when he gets in the mix. So we'll dive in on some of the individuals, Mark, but just as a starting point, what were your impressions of that forward group?
0: I think Stankoven looked really calm and and solid. Uh, he he's not afraid of the physical contact, which is what you worry about it with a guy of his stature. Um, he, he's good at distributing the puck. He's got a great shot. I, he's he's going to be tremendous this year. Um, Bork I thought was maybe a little shaky, um, and, and maybe that had to do with where he was uh, where he was set up in the lineup. He was playing with Stranges and and uh, Blue Mel. And they they were part of the team same same Texas Stars team last year, but they really didn't spend a lot of time together, and I'm not sure that they uh, they mesh as a group. But uh, you know, Bork will be fine. Bork, me, Bork, ask, uh, Bork got oh, better as the season went on. And, 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 and let me ask you this: because this is just a start, it's just
1: something I develop. I I very much agree with you about Maverick, and call him Maverick for a minute. But um, wanting to talk about something I've observed and he, he definitely feels like a fit guy. And what I mean by that is there, there's some, some players you can put with any other two randos and and you're going to get the same style, right? Just certain types of things translate in different ways. And in my limited, admittedly viewing experience of Maverick Bork, he seems like one of those guys that when he is, he needs that because I think a lot of his game is based on, you know, puck movement and creativity, he kind of needs his line mates to be on his wavelength more than some other players do. And so he he tends to need to have more comfort with his wings to really get, you know, maximum Maverick than, than potentially some other guys. And that's not necessarily a downside because once he gets that comfort, you can kind of see how it all comes together. And he finished the season in the AHL. You know, playing playing very well. Right. But he feels like a guy that that it almost it's one of those things like long term. It feels good because once he gets into a prominent spot, he'll be able to, you know, kind of dictate that better. But in the short term, it almost feels like if we're talking about who's going to make the squad and who's going to be the first call up,
0: it almost feels like something
1: that might limit him because it, it, he doesn't always look to me like a guy that you can sit, you know reach out to on a tuesday and say hey we need you wednesday night right he feels like he needs more runway than that is that just
0: wrong i think at the nhl level especially if he's playing in the in a, in a top 9 maybe even a top 6 role he has no problem because people people will kind of do what he expects them to do and so he's going to be putting the puck where 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 a good hockey player should be and, and with the right guys, that should be, will be, a will be. Um, it, it, you know, his skill set sometimes, though, drops in. You remember a couple of years ago when, when Alexander Radulov was falling off, and, and so he got down onto the, onto the bottom line. And Radulov would go down underneath the goal and, and somehow pop the puck into open ice right in front of the net, and you wouldn't see any green there at all. Yeah, and and it, it almost seems like that where where it's like okay you're putting in all the work and you just don't have the supporting cast to uh, do what they need to do off of what your work is is accomplishing. Prongis, uh and, and Mill probably aren't aren't the right guys with him, but that's what this team has right now. We'll we'll see how that works. I'm not worried about Bork. Bork's going to be a be either a number one or a number two center in Cedar Park, and and I think. The stars organization knows that uh, he'll be ready when it when and if he's called on. Yeah, and I think he's also a guy that, and we'll talk. You know, we
1: we talked last week about sort of the differences between Traverse City and training camp. I think Bork is a guy that Traverse City is about getting some reps in, and, and almost about using Bork as a uh, as a mile marker to judge the players around him. Like, Bork isn't in Traverse City to prove anything about himself, right? That if he's ready or not, that's going to be training camp. I think that's my my opinion. So you put Bork. On the Traverse City roster, in part because you want him to get some playing time, in part because you have to put somebody there, right? And then I think you also put him there because if you're going to evaluate the likes of Strangis and, and some of the other players on that roster, Bork is a really good, like, he's he's a known quantity, he's close, so you can kind of almost use him as that measuring stick. And say, oh, if, if um, you know, whoever looks good next to Maverick Bork, then that's much easier to track to how they might look at the AHL level or the NHL level, even because because of that so i'm i'm not like my comment wasn't necessarily to to rip on the kid but i i think i do think you're right it's his big moment is going to be the training camp that he has and and where that establishes him in the organization
0: yeah and let me just correct one thing uh, he he wasn't playing with blue Mel. he was playing with kyle mcdonald so even more of a of, of kind of a misfit there on the second line and, and i think maybe we need to look at the whole game a bit with, uh, with an understanding of what happened to Oscar Bach, uh, who, uh, who took kind of a borderline hit. He was certainly set up uh, as, as he was coming down the crease, and he, he was helped off the ice and didn't return. So, you know, Oscar Bach was wearing the C for the Dallas Stars, and I think he's probably one of, one of those guys who's, who who you would expect to be on the, uh, on the short list for call-ups to Dallas. So, you know, depending on what actually happened uh, with, with the injury there, that that's a, a could be a big story. Um, and, you know, that that's that's obviously the leader that the team uh, that the team was bringing here on uh, with a pretty young group of prospects.
1: Certainly keep an eye on that. I have not seen as of, you know, recording this Friday morning. I haven't seen anything solid on what his situation is.
0: Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll obviously uh, if if he's missing the second game, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he's not in the lineup uh, against Toronto. Uh, we'll we'll get to see uh, somebody new in that role, and uh, and you know things get rotated through anyways. Uh, hopefully, this is not a long term thing. Uh, yeah. So so just a little shake up. Proceed with caution.
1: Fair enough. Now, what about
0: just on that same um,
1: sticking with prospects? moving to the other end of the size spectrum from bichelle
0: how was logan stankoven i mean i, I don't know that he really stood out as uh, as as just an obvious uh, superior prospect than anybody else um he was calm under pressure he wasn't afraid to go to the body uh, there was there was one point where i think he he Kind of took uh, Elmer Soderblom into the in, into the boards, and if, if you don't know, Soderblom's uh, about a six eight giant who who's probably the best non goaltender in the game. He plays with an edge. He's not afraid to go into the crease. Uh, didn't uh, really get on the score sheet until the, the empty net goal at the end that Blumel scored. But his defensive work and his ability to to get the puck up to Blumel was very skilled. So you're you're kind of seeing what you expect. Stankoven played last year, and he was kind of the same way. Uh, he did get on the score sheet a bit more, but he creates opportunities. And at least at the prospect tournament level, it, it just hasn't hasn't uh, shown up in the goals all that much. So I, I have a
1: question that's been something that has has as I, not just you, uh, you it's it's all of, all of the coverage about Stankoven is talking about how despite his size, he's a bulldog. Despite his size, he doesn't shy away from the physicality. You know, he's he's doing that. My my question is, should he be? And I don't mean like I just mean, do you think that a a player that's going to be, you know, 5'7 at the NHL level, should he be looking at his game less as a what can I do that the bigger players do? And more of a it's it's you know, there's there's a wear and tear concern, right? Should he be looking more at how to not rely as much on that tenacity? Am I am I I'm explaining it poorly, but I'm just I guess what the concept I'm well, trying to wrap my head around is what is he how is there a difference between how he plays now and how he has to play in the
0: NHL? I mean I think it's the difference between being proactive and reactive. And I think as a smaller player you're much more likely to face injury impacts if you're being reactive. And so by by maintaining the initiative on a lot of this stuff. I think Fankoven can choose where where the physicality comes from. And, and in that sense, I think it shows that he's not afraid of dealing with the uh, big players on the other on the other team. And so it just kind of takes it off the table. Yeah, he's he's smaller, but he's a he, he's a grinder, he he's not afraid to go into the corners, he's not afraid to go into the crease. Um, so people don't pick on it. You know? and that's that's kind of been the the strangest. Component that goes the other way. Sarran also has some size issues, and, and and he tends to get victimized for his size, and that's held him back quite a bit. Uh, and, and you know he has offensive abilities, but the size thing kills him. And 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 stakeover just takes that off the table. Well, that's good. He quiet first game, but nothing. Any glaring
1: warning signs? Anything? Anything that stands out on, on the O side of, of things for
0: him? Um. No, I, I, he's he's top line center. Uh, put him with talented guys. The points will come. Uh, he he. His defense was solid. He was getting back on plays. Uh, I, I have absolutely no worries. I I think that uh, it might be a little premature to say NHL ready. But you know, hey, let let let's see how October and November go uh, in Cedar Park and. That that could change. You know, it, it took Bork a couple months before he got comfortable. I think Stankoven's adjustment into, into professional hockey will probably go a little easier. Yeah, I mean, he's.
1: I think he's the other guy as well. Like, we're really gonna. It's. I think Traverse City probably matters a little bit more to him than it does to Maverick Bork, and, and unfortunately, it's the size thing. But I also think, generally speaking, it's going to be the the training camp. That's where he is either going to make that. That's where it's going to decide kind of where he fits on the roster. It's not he's not going to do anything in Traverse City that, that puts him into the NHL or that doesn't put him into the NHL. I don't think.
0: Right, and and I mean that's the same thing that happened with Wyatt Johnston yeah. last year. Uh, John Johnston was was probably less noticeable at, at Traverse City last year than uh, than than Stankoven was to tell you the truth, but he he showed that he could make proper decisions. And then he got into training camp and they just couldn't, couldn't make him go away. That's such, starting, that starting is such roster. a good way yep. to
1: describe like the early, early Wyatt Johnson experiences. Like you just, they could not make him go away. There was no, yeah. you, they just couldn't find a way to justify him not being there.
0: Yep. Yep. And, and he, he made that team a better team. You know, you, you could argue that, that he was the one who brought uh, Brought on the Benesons. So, uh, you know, there. there's a whole lot that goes with a rookie like that, that uh, that made that Dallas Stars team a better team than it than it probably would have been if he wasn't on it.
1: Yep. I mean, we talked about the Benesons. He was part of that.
0: How about so.
1: So those are the two. Those are the two marquees. Any anybody else? Um, you know, Blue Mell's had a cup of coffee at the NHL level. He was on the roster. Strangest he's got that weird skating but you know kind of finally reached the AHL level Any, anybody else that 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 you think is worth paying attention to in the latter stages of Travers and early stages of training camp
0: I mean I think you probably need to look at, at Matthew Seminoff, who who has been playing with uh, with Stankoven for several years he's taken advantage of that and he has a pretty good shot uh, you know for a 7th rounder he's looking really really uh, good it, it'd be interesting to see how he performs away from Stankoven. Uh, just you don't know how much uh, how much of this is just coattails and and their ability to read off of each other. But he's come a long way. Um, I, I was kind of expecting to see a little more from uh, Francesco Arcuri, um, and and game one was was a mixed bag. Um, and maybe that's just me uh, me kind of holding it against him. Uh, for putting the puck into the skates that caused the, the, the the Bach injury. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, those are kind of the other two guys that I'm watching. We, we had a, we had a very uh, inexperienced fourth line that seemed to hold together pretty good. The, the only other narrative that I'm really paying attention to is, is Remy Poirier and net. And, and we kind of are burying the lead here. Poirier was, was in this game especially you you consider that it's, it's the first competitive action in in quite some time and and goalies kind of are expected to not do all that much here at traverse city and and i think poirier is is making an argument uh with with his play in the ahl last year certainly uh his excellent play in the at idaho last year that he's a solid number two uh Maybe even a one-one a-one b situation in Cedar Park with Matt Murray, and, and that, organizationally, that
1: be, my goodness, yeah. that would be such a a win for the Dallas Stars. And and that not not throwing shade on you know the current backup situation, but there's the one not the one the defense is an issue as well, but a, an organisational issue has been after after Wedgewood and Ottinger, then what? And if they could get a firmer answer to that question, my goodness, that would help
0: well the, the interesting thing to me is at the AHL level you, you know almost every team has has this you know veteran presence who's who's kind of the first call up um, who's you know who's who's kind of a mediocre nhl goalie but you kind of bring him up uh, because you trust him and so far dallas hasn't really signed anybody that is going to fill that role it's it's Ottinger, it's wedgewood and then you go down and you take a look, and Murray was a was a rookie last year in the AHL, and and Poirier, I believe, didn't have enough games last year, so he'll be a rookie this year. So you're talking about a goalie tandem uh, for for a team that's lost a lot on defense uh, with running running out guys without a whole lot of experience. That's going to play out. Uh, that's going to play out in odd and surprising ways. It's yeah. It's
1: it's. I like it. I, that competition is a good thing. And this is, you know, Ottinger is Ottinger. We're not talking about Jake Ottinger, to be very clear. But, you know, I think your best case is the guys that you have play well. But, you know, looking at what Wedgwood makes and you know, the term of his contract and, and all of that, like, you know, there's, there's a spot in the NHL if there's a standout, right? Like, this isn't – it isn't a situation where – Dallas has two ironclad locked in goalies at the NHL level, and there's no real room to move. There is, I think, an open question of who in the middle and long term will be Jake Ottinger's understudy. And I think, as well, even in the short term, there's a if 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 you know Remy or someone else can make a performance based case that they should be the other guy, then there's flexibility in the organization to do that, which will only make you know the AHL team better. I think it might help. The trans- as we go through a little bit of a transition phase defensively, having reliable net mining w- might help that unit stabilize itself after some some talent shuffling, you know, losing Harley to the NHL, losing a couple other guys to other organizations. So it's it's an exciting thing to see that position
0: firming up. Yeah. And Poirier is such a great, great guy, too. I mean, you, t- take a look if, if you'd never saw his, uh, his hockey fight last year uh go go to youtube and and track it down he uh he he's got a lot of personality and goaltenders tend to be a a little uh, a little offbeat and and poirier just has that little that that, those those little personality traits that make you want to root for him he's got the he's got the
1: goaltending weirdness
0: yeah, exactly. It's kind of kind of like this, uh, you know, from Quebec, he's got this little French buccaneer thing going, uh, you know, a <laughs> little, little pointy beard and, and a nice stash and, and the long hair that he can flip. So uh, good, dude. I love
1: it. I love it. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up with Travis and talk a little training camp, Mark, before we move on. Any any other uh, big, big picture views, small picture details, anything else that, that you want to highlight from game one of the tournament?
0: not particularly. I mean it's a it's it's a prospect tournament. We won great. Some guys look good. We need to figure out how to deal with a heavy cycle team. Fine. These guys probably aren't the ones who are going to be doing that uh, within the organization. So, let's let's watch game 2 see if anything else emerges. Yeah, well,
1: game two's coming up. They've got Toronto who lost. I think they got a seven spot
0: dropped on them by the Blue Seven, Packers. seven, three. Columbus, Columbus is going to be fun on Sunday. If you're going to watch one game, watch the Columbus game. They brought a lot of really good guys, uh, you know, high-end prospects, and they obviously know how to score. So, yeah, that'll, Sunday will be a good game.
1: Perfect. And then of course right around the corner after Traverse City is training camp. Mark, um, you know, what what are your kind of main storylines
0: heading into training camp? You know, I don't have a whole lot with with no. with training camp. I there's there's kind of the what what do we do with tied to a question? But and and maybe uh, maybe some where does Mason Marchment fall in the lineup?
1: That that's me,
0: man. That's my big. That's I
1: can't. There's a couple of players that I'm interested in. Mason is is the one that, with the weirdness of his last season, everything that went on, all of the noise, the acquisitions that the Stars made. I am just fascinated to figure out where I want to see him on a line rush, just to start getting comfortable with like what does what does the coaching staff think they have in him at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you you, you kind of say, do do we get that one good year, Florida Mason Marshman, and how do we draw that out uh, versus do we get what every other season has been, and uh, and you know the big question if if we get that uh, get that guy who had that one great year in Florida, that that could be just the thing that throws this team over the top. Well, even if you get the guy that was fantastic to start last season for the Dallas Stars, yeah.
1: It's not. It's not that his success is entirely confined to that. It, I think it'd be an easier conversation if it was just that one season. But he he started out looking every bit
0: like the guy that that
1: they wanted when they signed him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the only other thing is like, rumor has it that Miro's been working on his shot. So well, because I, I'm, he just, has I'm just gonna, I I'm just gonna keep that in mind this whole season. I I think that. There, there's a
1: a thing that happens sometimes in in youth sports, right? And it's when you have there's this transition phase when you've got a kid that's extremely physically gifted that it it it's almost like they they it's not that they hold back, but it's that they don't try certain things as they like you you have a really talented u fourteen that moves up a level, right? They all initially, some of them just take to it, but others, don't try everything in their their toolbox immediately because they go into the next level thinking, OK, I have to figure out if I can hang here. I don't want to make any mistakes. I'm not going to try this thing because surely it's not going to work at this level. It did at the last level. And with the really good ones, a lot of times they they almost I always jokingly call it like they figure out how good they are. And they have all of a sudden it kind of clicks with them. like, oh no, wait. I am so very good that all of the stuff that worked at the lower level still works now and I should keep trying it. And I I I wonder if we had a version of that with Miro last season. Part of this was coaching driven and usage driven, and he got more of an offensive role. But I wonder if part of it—he was so—he's talked about how the pride he takes in being, you know, excellent defensively, and I almost wonder if he was so focused on being this all-world defensive player that he didn't, relative to Miro's excellence, right, didn't necessarily give his offensive game the same level of attention. Until last season and, and, you know, maybe had that, you know, things click into that Kaiser-Sose moment. Was like, oh, wait, I can be just as good defensively and also score a ton of points. Maybe I'll just do that.
0: Well, and, and there may be a little pride involved there just because he had such a great season last year and nobody gave him credit for it. Yeah. And, and, and maybe Miro took that poorly. It's the, the, the Michael okay, I, I, I'm as good as all these guys who are getting hyper awards and I'm not in the conversation all that much yeah maybe maybe I need to I'm already better than they are on defense but they aren't uh, but they aren't going to uh, give me credit for that so now yeah I'll just I'll, I'll just up this skill which I'm gonna get credit for and then I, then I'm one of the top top three if not the best defender in the NHL Period. He's got pride. Oh
1: man, that's I that's that's the kind of and it's rumor that's good for us. <laughs> that's so
0: good. I was gonna say that's
1: the kind of rumor as a fan that just makes your heart start to go pitter patter. Because if, if he is if if he gets better than he was last season, because you, you, I, I I love that. I, I think that's great. That's that's um <laughs> That's wonderful news. Yeah, we talked about Miro, I think as well just on the terms of defense, Mark. I'm you, you can't learn a whole bunch from from training camp even, but I'm the defense is kind of a jumble right now. And I think for better or worse it's settled in terms of who's going to play, but I I do think that I'm very interested to see how everybody gets used and what the com- what the combinations are going to be, um who's going to get looks on special teams, those and, and we'll start to see in training camp and, and then in the preseason, we'll start to see signs of of what the the coaches think their pairings are. So I'm, I'm very interested to see that when the, when the, you know, do they split up Lindell and Hockenpah? Can they get Thomas Harley onto a power play? Um, you know, all, all of the things can Miro get onto his, his strong side. Do they even, do they even care to try, right? That sort of thing.
0: Yeah. No, you're, you're saying all the right stuff. It sounds like you're uh you're doing a little promo for for our upcoming uh, you know flowers and unicorns podcast, where where we talk about everything going right for the Dallas Stars. It's one of my favorites. Yes, it's when we
1: we're, we'll we'll be sitting down to talk through all of the various situations and and taking exclusively a bright side upside view. Of everything that might happen, yeah, flowers and unicorns. So th- that is coming, and then obviously Mark to watch oh, the Doom taste of-
0: Doom afterwards.
1: Doom Everybody cast. loves
0: the Doom cast, but we so have to good. wait for that one. It's we the, have to get through. You have to get through the flowers and unicorns before yeah. the Doom cast. Well, because you want to end this. You you want to start the
1: season. You You want to start the season on a low note so Correct. that you don't get too excited when they're good early, or too down if they're bad early. I'm I'm with you.
0: <laughs> I'm already well, starting to I'm already putting on my rose colored glasses. So oh my let's gosh. Uh, let's I'm just finish so glad we have hockey again. On. Oh, isn't that true? is that true? Any any final thoughts? Anything else you want to get to before we, we call it a morning? No, rose colored glasses are going on. I'm it 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 takes a lot for me to get ready for the flowers and unicorns cast. Yeah, so we gotta start early.
1: There's a, there's a lot of inertia in Dallas Stars fandom that prevents us from just getting excited about something. <laughs>
0: But it's coming, and we're going to do it anyways.
1: It's rumbling down the tracks. We'll do that. We'll probably do that next week. Is my thinking. Yep. We, we got to get the we got to get the schedule right. But I, I imagine the next cast will be flowers and unicorns, and then we'll we'll do it up big time before the season
0: starts. We should probably try and get David on for the flowers yeah. and unicorns cast because he fits into that one so well.
1: Nothing people don't love anything more than adding hardcore numbers conversations to a, a flowers and unicorns podcast right. for sure.
0: Well, that well, sounds good. Let's uh, sounds let's
1: great. watch some hockey. Do it. Thanks, Mark. As always, KT, thank you as well. Listeners, thank you for following us on the site change and all of that. And, and please keep downloading, liking on all of the socials. Um, reach out, right? We're always looking for topics, always looking for stuff to talk about. And, and just thrilled as anything that the season is finally going to get started. So have a great day. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk next week.